Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Recorded live. All right, man, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Sweet. All right, here we go. We're going to roll this in three, two, one. A special guest time now on the Sooner Nation podcast, and honestly, probably one of our favorite special guests here to talk a little bit of Oklahoma Sooners, Ohio State Buckeyes football, the one and only Chris Plank. Chris, how's it going, man? It's going really good, Matt. How are you guys doing today? I'm great. I mean, great. It, it's uh, football season is here, and it, to me, I mean, I, I love I love all sports. I, you know me. I'm I'm a sports nut. I'm I'm there whether it's football, <laughs> basketball, <laughs> baseball, softball, right? But uh, to me, it doesn't get any better um, than football season. And honestly, even with Oklahoma going in with a one zero and one record, it 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 couldn't have been any better uh, in Norman than what it was Saturday night against Louisiana Monroe. Yeah, uh, that was. That was what I think a lot of fans needed to see in order to right the ship uh, from a perception perspective, you know. Um, and, and, and by the way, state, we can get, we'll, we'll talk stadium all day long. Um, I, I could with anybody. But to me, the, uh, the way in which Baker executed, the way in which your receivers made plays, the game plan worked to perfection, I just – I thought it was absolutely uh, a perfect salve for the wound to Houston and a nice preparation for fans who uh, might be a little bit down right now based on losing to Houston to kind of feel confident about this offense and this defense going forward. Again, don't get me wrong. Uh, Louisiana Monroe, I understand. I get it. But, um, yeah, it's uh, without a doubt, it was a, it was a good – it was a good palate cleanser, if you will, before the main, the main course coming up tomorrow or Saturday night. Yeah, and, and I mean, from, from the very beginning, I mean, you, you're right about the stadium. To walk in, and, and I had seen the stadium uh, before that game, but, but it's the, to walk in and, and see it full, I mean, it's, it's just completely different. You, you stand there on the field, and you look up at that south end zone, and you think, man, that looks really cool. But yeah. then you walk in there, and that south end zone is full, and the jumbotrons and full working, and it's just it's, – it's a totally different scene. And that in itself was incredible. And I tell you what, um, you know, and I know you and Toby are really good buddies. Um, I, I've got nothing but good things to say about Toby as well. And that the, even the, the scene setter that he did, I know it was released early Saturday morning and people saw it, but to, I thought it was probably the most significant scene setter before a football game that he's ever done in, well, really in any sport. Because it just, what you're talking about, you're talking about healing wounds and so forth. That set the tone for what I think, you know, and in, in, in Bob Stoops said it on Monday and, and some of the other players said it, that they, they looked up. They looked up and they saw the stadium, they saw the fans, they felt the crowd, um, and now they're asking for a little bit more this coming Saturday night against Ohio State. And there's, there's nothing in me, both as a guy who covers the team and as a fan of the team, that would make me think that they're not going to get from the crowd what they asked for 
if they're doing their part on the field. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and again, it, it's pretty crazy because if you think back, you know, everyone talks about 08 Texas Tech. Um, but since then, there's been some incredible atmosphere. Sure. The, the, only, right. the only difference has been that the way in which things played out with Texas Tech took it to another level because you had, what, it was 42 to 7 at half. Right. <laughs> so obviously that's a different level. Notre Dame was a great atmosphere, a wild setting, an incredible scene. But because you lost the game, I, I, I don't think it's held in such high regard as 2008 Texas Tech. So while I've, I've really appreciated and have, I guess, in a roundabout way, enjoyed that passion level that you've seen that's grown uh, for former players, and, and I think even some current players on social media have retweeted it whenever Ty Darlington comes out and says, hey, let's create a rocket. Let's make something right. crazy, wild, and special here. Um, and to see the way that it has, uh, it's been spread, to see the way that it's been talked about, you, you can't help but think we're on the verge of something pretty special here on Saturday night. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. You know, the, the Notre Dame game, I, I think back to that, and I think back to specific moments in that game because the crowd was ready. The, the, the crowd yeah. was amped and jacked. And, you know, remember Tony Jefferson picked up that fumble and runs it in, and then it's, it's declared not a fumble. But the, the crowd was there. I mean, that, that was as loud as that, that stadium had been until all the air got taken out. Go back to Brennan Clay in that Bedlam game. Brennan Clay runs it in in overtime. But Great moment. That, that, that whole – that 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 fourth quarter, that the drive to tie it up, and then the overtime, the crowd was as electric as it's been in a long time. So you're right, there has been moments since that '08 game, but this is one of those opportunities for it to be epic, and people 20, 30 years from now are are going to be talking about this game possibly. Uh, in the same way they talk, you know, eight years ago with that Texas Tech game, that you have those defining moments that where a crowd. Has the, the team has their moment on the field, and then the crowd has their moment in the stands, and, and there's the opportunity. But it's not like Ohio State's coming empty-handed. They're, they've, they're bringing their own share uh, of fans, and I think it's going to be every bit what we saw with Notre Dame and, and their fans traveling. Oh, I want to throw this out here, because, and I realize we're, <laughs> we're a few minutes in, and we haven't even talked this game yet. But <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I look at what uh, my, my son, I, I have a, a 20-year-old son, and he sends me a text message, hey, did you hear – Ohio State has rented out the Lloyd Noble Center for a pep rally. And I, and I say, that is cool. I mean, that's my response. That, that's really cool that, that they do that. But, you know, a younger crowd doesn't realize this happens. Not only does this happen all across the landscape of college football, but Oklahoma regularly does this when they go on the road. Are, are fans just is – it, is it because of the magnitude of the game or is it because fans don't realize that this is – an ongoing thing in college football that this has become a big deal? I think that it is twofold. Um, I don't think anyone remembers what happened yesterday, Matt. So I think (laughs) part of that is short-term memories that have uh, kind of taken over in the world of, of, of today. And then the second part of it that kind of, I, I, I don't think people realize how often this happens. And the way that it was reported was a little bit skewed because, yeah, Ohio State rented out the Lloyd Noble Center. But, and, 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 yes, they've, they've, they've sold it out, but it's just the floor. You know, it's 800 seats. Right. Still impressive. You know, 800 still impressive, but it's not like you've got what, what, what's capacity at Lloyd Noble, 12,000, 13,000, whatever it might be. So I am uh, – I, I, I was like you. Whenever I saw this story and how it just kind of blew up, 
I went a little, I'm like, really? They've sold out the Lloyd Noble Center? And then you get a little bit clearer of a picture, and you're uh-huh. like, oh, wait a minute. You know, this is uh, the floor seating, and they're doing kind of a, a pep rally on the floor. Don't get me wrong. There's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot of Ohio State fans there. But I also think that a lot of this has to do with just not, uh, not really grasping how often this currently takes place, Matt, and I think that's kind of where part of the, uh, oh, I don't want to say confusion, but maybe concern that had been there for a while. I think that's kind of where that jumps in for some fans whenever they first saw that report. You think there's way, way too much being made of uh, Austin Kendall's comments? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and I'll tell you what, I, am, uh, I was on the desk for that. Uh, I, I, should, um, I, I, I probably shouldn't put him in that situation to ask him about Ohio State. You know, if it was, um, if it was a starting quarterback, if it was a starting linebacker, then obviously I understand, but there's so many other storylines that are going right. on around this game. The fact that that's blown up this uh, as, as we tape this this morning is, it, it, I guess it shouldn't be shocking to me, but, I mean, I, I I didn't really think that much of it when he said it, and I've heard from so many people like, wow, did you, did you get shocked? I'm like, no, I was kind of thinking ahead. My, my mind was moving ahead towards our next element. So, right. yeah, I uh, – I hate it that it's blown up like it has, but uh, again, if, if you need a backup quarterback's comments to fire you up, I don't, I don't necessarily know. If that's a, if <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's a deal. Yeah, I and mean, if you ask Baker Mayfield or you ask Samaj P. Ryan, you know, asking these receivers, you know, maybe even a guy like Jeffrey Mead, who's a starting receiver, but has really has not made that. You know, he had a touchdown the other night, but I, no, who had the touchdown? Jeffrey or A. D. Miller? Jeffrey and yeah. A.D. had one. They both had one. Yeah, that's right. So, so you got a guy like that who's who's a starter, but still not a, a has yet had to have that significant moment. Somebody like that says something. Okay, I think you've got a little bit bigger of a deal, but to have a backup quarterback on the desk and to say that, I'm I'm just looking at it going, guys, this this is fan talk. I'm, I'm sure Urban Meyer is not going to say on Thursday morning, hey guys, we got to really get our good defense out going now, you know, because. Because this is what the backup quarterback said. But I, I think that's something that, that – the, the one thing it does do is it drives the fan bases. I mean, uh, o- Oklahoma fans are, are trying to defend Austin Kendall. Now Ohio State fans are trying to, to defend their, their defensive, which is a great defense, by the way, trying to defend their, their defensive honor. Where in the middle, these two teams are going, okay, we got to play football. I mean, is right. that, that, I mean that's, that's the way I look at it. Yep, I think, that's a, I think that's a pretty good way to look at it, you know, and – you know, just in, in this matchup, I'm, there, there's so many playmakers on the field, you know, right. both offensively and defensively for both teams. There's so much potential NFL talent. I mean, we're going to watch uh, of, of the 12 starters on each side of the – excuse me, 11 starters on each side of the football. I, think of the fans I just assumed ball. you were including kickers. Yeah, yeah, I include. Of the 11 starters on both sides of the ball, you know, you're talking about the potential with, you know, you know Oklahoma's potentially got a first-round draft pick starting – at left tackle, you know, uh, Mixon and P. Ryan are guys that are going to be second day picks, if not thinking of the first round. You know, those are that's just three of potentially five guys on Oklahoma's starting offense who could end up as NFL guys. Same thing with Ohio State's defense. So there is so much talent that's going to be out there on Saturday. I, I mean, to me, that's where this that's where the excitement starts to build and starts to bubble for me with all that excitement that's building come Saturday for the talent that's going to be there. All right, I got to ask you, and, and you, may not, you may not have up-to-date information, but uh, Tay Evans, Charles Walker, both kind of on the injury list. 
Tay Evans has practiced this week. Uh, it looks like he's good to go. What What are you hearing on Charles Walker? Um, well, I, I I've heard on Charles Walker that the same thing Bob said earlier this week that Coach Stoops said during his press conference that basically he's uh, everyone is good to go. Their only concern was Daniel Brooks. I know that you know there had been some social media buzz uh, out there as well too that maybe. Uh, Charles Walker's might be uh, injury might be a little bit more severe than some thought, but I'll tell you what, from my perspective, I haven't heard that. I haven't seen that. I haven't heard the buzz around that. So uh, that's out there, but I mean, I, I haven't seen any of that and, and nor have I gone stalking to see if Charles Walker is walking around with a limp or, or with a cast or whatever it might be. So I would assume that they will be all guns ablaze and ready to go come Saturday uh, with the health, you know, obviously with, with, you know, without a Daniel Brooks, but, you know, they need you, – you need Charles Walker. You need to be 100% Absolutely. heading into Saturday. I mean, we saw – I know that Clemson is an unfair comparison, but we saw exactly what he meant to that defense whenever they didn't have him against Clemson. So I think uh, he is a – he's a major cog, and I hope he's 100% come Saturday. Okay, real quick, um, offense, defense. Let's start with the offense, starting with Baker Mayfield. You, we already talked about him just a little bit at, at the onset. Where did you see the biggest improvement uh, in this offense from week one against Houston to week two against Louisiana Monroe? Uh, just Baker taking what was there. I thought that was big. I thought they were a little bit more aggressive at the line of scrimmage. That's a, a credit to Bill Beanbo. And they, you know, they played Bobby Evans Jr. a little bit more at that right tackle spot with Samia inside. And then, you know, as the, as the half went on and into the second half, you were able to use an Eric Wren center and, and move Alvarez over. So you, able, you were able to experiment with quite a bit. Um, so I, I, I just thought in the patience of a Baker Mayfield, that made a major difference on Saturday. The other thing um, that stood out to me was offensively just how precise Joe Mixon looks and how uh, definitive he looks. I mean, that, and, and that's probably not the best word, decisive. There you go. Uh, right. when, he, when he gets a football, he is decisive about where he's going. He'll have a few cuts here and there to make a guy miss. But when he sees that home man, boom, he hits it. So those were the things that stood out to me. You got some more receivers involved. You were able to play a lot of guys. Um, but the the willingness of Baker Mayfield to not try to force things, the um, I guess the route running of the receivers was on point, the blocking of the offensive line. Yeah, I understand the competition, you know, wasn't of an, sure. of an Ohio State caliber. But, man, they went out and did what you're supposed to do, and they dominated Flip the size of the ball. Um, the big thing I was looking at um, Saturday night was the corner position opposite of, of Jordan Thomas. Uh, what, what do you see biggest biggest improvement? And then I don't think I think the defense kind of got a bad rap in, in a couple ways um, in an opener against Houston because I, I feel like the defense did to, to hold Greg Ward Jr. to one rushing yard. I think the defense put the offense in position to win the game, but still there's room for improvement. What did you see the biggest improvement on this defense, and what's the key thing that you're looking at there? Uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's really, Matt, to say improvement, but it's just to see some guys. Because I think seeing Neville Gallimore and, and mm-hmm. the role that he played, I thought that was encouraging for fans. I think that the, um, I think the performance of Caleb Kelly was one that is encouraging and fired fans up, uh, and understandably so. I think Terrence Cobb getting more time. You know, Terry Cook's, is our guest on the assistant coaches show. And uh, I, that, that, that'll be on the Sooner Radio Network uh, Thursday night. But 
he was he seemed to be very complimentary of the way that Cobb played. But again, you got to remember this is still a true freshman playing a corner position. It's going to take some time. Not a redshirt freshman. Not a guy that's had a year in the system. A right. true freshman. So I am. Um, I think from that perspective, if you were to ask me what stood out, I think it was finally getting to see some of these guys and their performances, and you know, really how they handle the situation and handle the extra playing time. I thought that was uh, that was absolutely massive on Saturday. Who do you expect to see line up opposite uh, Jordan Thomas, that corner, on Saturday night? Uh, I think that it's going to be uh, – I think it's going to be Parrish Cobb. I think it's going to be Parrish Cobb, much like it was on Saturday. This team knows what they have in Dakota Austin. So, to me, I think Parrish Cobb is going to be that guy that you'll see come Saturday night. All right, Chris, uh, Center Nation podcast, uh, Chris Plank, one of our favorite guests. And you, I think you, you for sure hold the record for most consecutive appearances on a podcast <laughs> going back to the, the well, NCAA thanks, tournament. Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate um, it. Well, let me ask you real fast, uh, two, two things before we cut you loose. Uh, number one, give us a, a couple of keys to the game for Oklahoma, and then tell, tell our listeners how they can get your pregame coverage, how they right. can follow you on Twitter and all that stuff for Saturday. All right, uh, first and foremost, I think uh, Key is running the football. Get Samaje, get Joe Mixon involved. I think you're in good shape come Saturday. If Oklahoma can run the football, they're going to win the game. I think if you looked at the combination of the two backs for, oh, my gosh, softball superstars walking through, right in the middle of our interview, Fale, Avio, and Sid Romero. Um, I think if you were to uh, – if, if they're to outgame the backfield combination – of, uh, of Ohio State, and I think Oklahoma wins the game. The second key I would say is uh, no turnovers. You cannot turn the football over. If they don't turn the football over and they can force a few from Ohio State, they're in good shape. And, again, you know, we've got the complete pregame coverage starting at 4.30 on Saturday. That's 4.30. And a reminder to all of your listeners that uh, you can listen to all the games on the TuneIn Radio app. So you can listen for absolutely free on TuneIn Radio. So just download that app and give us a listen and uh, – We'll have some excitement coming, man. Uh, I'm really pumped for this atmosphere on Saturday night. I think it's going to be a, a super environment. I think it's going to be a fun game, man. I can't wait to get the game time. Hey, well, thanks for overcoming the distraction of the national champion softball players walking through. <laughs> hey, anytime those two superstars come by, you got to give them a shout-out. So, thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on. All right, take care, Chris. We'll see you, buddy. See you, man. Hey, good stuff, man. Thank you. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 